Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hi parents and non-parents and grandparents and everyone that's listening to Parenthood Friday. Welcome guys. I'm so glad to have you here. My name's Renee. If perhaps this is the first time that you are joining me, I'm so glad that you're here. And I would highly suggest that you go back to the start of all of these parenthood episodes because, um, yeah, probably the first few, I really laid that foundation of something called first time obedience, which I talk about a lot. So that will be super helpful to you. Also, I got the loveliest message from a dad this week who was like, oh my gosh, you have literally, um, change the way that we interact with our son around obedience. And it's made such a big change in our family. And it was a dad that sent me the message. So I'm really glad to hear that there are dads listening too. If you want your husband to listen, just, you know, accidentally play the podcast while you're in the car and you can't get away. (laughs) Don't play that part because he'll know that, you know, I'm telling you to do that. (laughs) He'll feel played. All right. So today, episode 92, I want to talk about something that is so important. Don't I say that every week? I'm sure I say that every week, but this another yet important topic about your kids and their friendships. Now I'm going to break this into two parts because I want to attack it from, um, in a moment when I get to it from the point of view of different age groups. And, uh, I want to cover from the younger years right through to the teenage years. And we just can't do that in 20 minutes. So I also think it's important that we talk about things like play dates and what to do around parties and sleepovers. So that will be either next week or another one again, because that's a really important topic. Um, you know, what do you do? There's, you know, endless amounts of decisions we have to make as parents. And so I just want to help, um, yeah, to chat about that one at a later date, but very soon. So I want to talk about our children's friendships because this is yet another area where we need to actively parent our kids. We have to remain active and it's really important that we know what's going on in this part of their life. And I'm talking from, we should know what's going on with their friendships from the youngest ages, like as soon as they start interacting with other children, right through until their late teens. I would say that right, right through until they finish high school. Um, now there are some areas where I commonly see parents forget that they need to actively parent and intentionally parent and friendship is one of them. Uh, and the other one of course is social media and the internet and phones. And that's something else that we definitely will be hitting up later on in our parenthood episodes. So we need to help our children, there's so many things we need to actually teach them when it comes to friendship. So we need to help them to learn how to make friends. Like we can't just assume that our kids know how to make friends. We need to teach them what a good friend looks like. We need to teach them how do I be a good friend? How do I find a good friend? And we also need to teach them what an unhealthy friendship looks like and how to handle those issues that arise in friendships. Because, you know, children's friendships can be complicated. I mean, I'm a teacher. I dealt 
endlessly. One of the biggest things you deal with as a teacher, particularly not just in the classroom, but um, at lunch times, is around children and their friendships. And, you know, there's no easy answer. It's a very difficult thing for children to all of a sudden have to navigate their own friendships, especially when they go to school and you're not around so much. And other children, guys, take it from me as a teacher. Sometimes kids can be mean and manipulative, and we need to help our kids know how to deal with that. We need to stay engaged in this area of their lives right through till as long as we can. Uh, Because I've seen many a kid who starts off as an absolutely beautiful child lose their way in their teenage years because of the company that they keep in those latter years. So it's important no matter what stage of parenting that you're at. So the other great thing about when we're intentional with friendships is parenting them in this way is just another opportunity to communicate, teach, and consolidate the values that are important to you as parents and to you as a family. So let me ask you this, what are your values and how can these be communicated by the teaching of friendships. Let me give you an example of like what some of ours were. We had a few little mantras that we repeated to the kids, honestly, for years, probably from when they were really little um, up into their teenage years. And these mantras really held some of our family values. So for example, we would say, if you want a good friend, you have to be a good friend. Now, we taught that so that they knew that they were in control of their friendships. And also, we had the value of wanting them to be good humans. So we're like, well, if you want to be friends with good humans, you need to be a good human. Um, You know, but teaching them that means that they're not at the mercy of other kids deciding or not deciding to be friends with them. So really it's helping to teach them that they're not victims of loneliness. You know, the kid that comes home and says, I don't have any friends. I have literally, anytime our children have come home and, and pulled that card and said, I don't have any friends and I'm so lonely. This is what we would say to them. Well, you know what? It's If you want to have good friends, you need to be good friends. One of the reasons we did that is because my mum did the opposite with me. I was a shy child and she really, looking back, did a disservice because she would always say to me, oh, Renee, you're just like me. You make it, you find it really hard to make friends. And so what she was telling me was that I wasn't good at making friends. I had no control over my friendships and therefore being lonely was just out of my control. And it made me a bit of a victim growing up. And so we would actively teach our children, well, if you find a finding yourself without friends, what can we do about that? Will we go and be a good friend? And then we need to teach them. What does that look like? And how do we do that? Another value that we would teach, a little mantra of ours that we constantly would say to the kids over the years was, Bennett's are influencers and not influenced. Guys, you're the leaders, not the followers. So that's what we would always say to them when it came to any discussions around their friendships. What were we doing? We were reiterating our value that we are the ones that set the pace and the tone in our friendships, that this was empowering them to make good choices, not just to follow what everyone else is doing, but to have good leadership and to influence everyone else to do the right thing, not the other way around. So there's just a couple of examples of how 
we would use friendships to to communicate our family values and the kind of people that we wanted our kids to grow up to be. So I thought I would walk us through the different stages and phases according to the ages uh, and just share what Cameron and I did with our kids when it came to friendships because we were super intentional. So let's start with preschool. We'll we'll do today preschool and primary school and then next week we'll look at um, the high school years. So I'm talking about the age from when they first start interacting with other children up until about the age of five, okay, so before they go to school. Now, I don't know about you, but I was always taken aback at how horrible some kids could be to my kids or to other kids around them. And the parents just seem to stand by and say nothing. Like, I I mean, how many times have you watched a kid push another kid over in the playground and the parent just seems to stand by like and not do a thing about it? We actually have to teach our children how to treat other children. And that's why we have to be engaged. Mums, dads, can I say this? in love, get off your phones. Don't be looking at your phones when your kids are at the playground. Be watching them. How are they interacting? How are they treating other children? And again, like I've said time and time again, when it comes to teaching our children anything, we have to use lots of verbal cues and give lots of verbal expectations. You know, like we play nicely with Maddie or that's lovely sharing. We love our friends so much, so we share. Um, You know, when we go to Tom's house. We look after his toys because we care for Tom, so we care for his toys. So it's setting that expectation of how you expect your children to behave around other people. Make them say sorry when they hurt one of their friends. Um, The other thing that's really powerful to do at a young age is role play. I used to role play a lot of things with my kids so that I could teach them how to do things. And I used to role play how they could make a friend. So I would say to, um, say Ashton, um, I would say to him, okay, buddy, so when we go to the party today or when you go to the playground today or whatever, you know, you can say, hi, I'm Ashton. What's your name? Would you like to play with me? And so you can role play different icebreakers, um, give your kids different ideas for icebreakers that they can use to help them make friends with other children. Um, This will also, and this is the hard thing as a parent, This will be the first time that you will see your child get their feelings hurt by someone other than their sibling or their cousin. You know, a non-family member, a friend will be the first person to hurt their feelings. Now, we have to be careful that we don't then parent out of our emotions because, of course, we feel super protective of our own children, but we can't parent out of our rejection or or out of our hurt on their behalf or out of our fear. So if my children got their feelings hurt by a friend, I would validate them and say, I know that that hurt your feelings, but I would also teach them forgiveness and to move towards um, because kids at that young age are beautiful. They actually don't hold on to things for very long. Of course, it's different if there's a child that's repeatedly hurting your child. That's a different story. Okay, so let's talk about the school years. So we're talking about year five through to year seven. Now, things can really heat up here. Um, School age children can be amazing, 
but they can also be mean. Uh, they can bully. They can, they're so honest. They can just say unkind things. Um, even if they mean it or whether they don't mean it. And, and honestly, your child is going to be mixing with children who are parented in all sorts of different ways and not necessarily, I mean, I cannot tell you how many times my kids would come back from school or even like kids church. I used to have leader after leader come to Cameron and I, even in kids church and say to me, oh my gosh, your kids are like the best behaved kids in kids' church. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, but my kids are amongst other Christian kids. What are their parents doing? But their parents often are not teaching their children social interaction skills. And so we really need to be doing that. And my kids would get so upset and so frustrated because they would see friends and other kids around them getting away with so many things that they weren't allowed to get away with. And you really have to teach them uh, to, to navigate that they can't just spend their life telling other kids off like that's just annoying. <laughs> um, but you need to be involved and guide them. But we don't want to jump in and keep rescuing them either. So we have to give them the tools to help navigate these relationships outside of the family. So the first thing we should do, and obviously we should have been doing this before primary school, but in primary school, we need to work on number one, work on what kind of friend your child is. And the best way, let's get brutally honest, the best way to work out what kind of friend your child is, is to listen and observe them when they have a friend over for a play date, like to your house or if you're over at another person's house. Now, don't hover, okay? Don't helicopter parent and follow them from room to room, but listen in. Listen and watch how to how your child interacts and be honest. Like, don't, I I probably was too honest. I was the first one <laughs> to work out things that my kids were doing wrong and kind of, you know, like, okay, we need to, we need to address this, but don't be the parent that thinks, thinks the sun shines out of your child. And clearly it doesn't. I mean, we all love our kids, but you know what I'm saying? There are things that they're going to need help and guidance on. So ask yourself things like, are they bossy or do they speak kindly to the other child? Are they moody? Do they snatch? Are they too timid? Do they talk too much? Um, you know, does your child insist on every single thing they're going to play or do they ask the other child what they would like to play? Here's another one. How well does your child obey you in front of other children? That's a big one. We expected just as much obedience in front of other children as when they weren't there. And it's really important that we observe our kids because too many parents seem unaware of how their children acts, act around other children. So we are actually doing our children a huge favor if we can see their weaknesses and help them to navigate those things. So for example, one of my kids, I won't say which one, is to this day a big talker. Um, and so when they were younger, they were very much a talker. So I would often say to this child, Hey, sweetheart, are you talking too much or are you letting other people talk too? And so of course they always think that they're not doing anything wrong and no, I'm not talking too much, mum. But if I would, I would listen out. And if I would hear him talking too much, I'd say, buddy, you need to let your friend, oh, there you go. It's one of my boys. <laughs> you need to let your friend talk too, because it's really annoying if you're doing all the talking. People don't like to be friends with people where they just can't even get a word in. And so we need to guide them, teach them to, you know, teach them things too, like 
how to look out for other people and how to, how to be a gatherer, be, be the, teach your kid to be the gatherer of the friends. That's a beautiful thing to teach them. So, you know, every teacher that our kids had from prep through to high school all have commented on what really good people our kids are. And I think a huge part of that was because we taught them how to interact with other children, no matter whether they're in year you know, two or year five or year 11. Okay. Another thing that we need to do, um, or sorry, the second thing that we did in their primary school years, and I would highly suggest you do this. It's probably one of the most helpful tools that we gave our kids. We taught them what manipulation looked like. Uh, I actually taught them the word manipulation and I taught them what it looked like uh, when they were being manipulated because I just found that so many children will try and manipulate to get their way. Um, In fact, my kids knew this word so well that from a really young age, I remember them saying, mommy, so-and-so manipulated me today. They couldn't even say the word manipulate. That's how how young they were when I taught them that word. Now, they wouldn't say it to the friend. They wouldn't go, hey, you're manipulating me. But we taught them what to look for so that they could come back to us and talk to us about it. And there's a few reasons we did that. One, like I said, is because so many kids are quite manipulative and I think it's because they're not parented well. They have learned that when they manipulate, they get their way. And this is what causes friendship drama, guys. When you kind of go, oh my gosh, especially in the upper primary school years, the friendship drama, particularly not just amongst girls now, I I equally see it amongst boys. Relationship drama is just like goes to whole new levels. And one of the reasons is there's a lot of manipulation going on. Kids seem to be pro at this. Um, So by teaching your children to recognize it, what it does, it puts them back in control. So then they realize, okay, so this one's not on me. This one's on my friend. They're trying to get their way through manipulation. And it gave my kids the strength to not comply. It helped my kids to realize the onus is back on their friend and not on them, which meant it stopped them from feeling guilty because that's what happens. Your kids' friends will manipulate to make them feel guilty to get their way. When you help children to see what manipulation looks like in all sorts of different things that other kids say and do, then your kids realize, hang on a second, this is not a healthy friendship thing to do. And they realize it's not their fault. It's the behavior of their friend and they don't feel guilty. And because they don't feel guilty, they don't feel pressured into doing what it is their friend wants them to do. So um, it uh, it's a really good thing to teach them because it it helps them to see that they have a choice, which is amazing. The third thing we taught our kids in primary school, and this is not an endless list, by the way, but the third thing that we did is we always would say, don't get involved in drama. We don't do drama. I say that in my family all the time. And maybe it's because I'm a teacher and I've seen a lot of drama and I'm a pastor and I've seen a lot of friendship and relationship drama. And I, so we have always taught our children, there is no, no drama in the Bennett household, guys. We don't do moody and we don't do drama. Um, and so we need to teach our children, don't be the kid that's always around drama because people get sick of drama. They tire of drama. 
And so I think that's one of the reasons other children enjoyed hanging out with my children because there was no manipulation. And if there was, we would jump all over it. And there was just no drama. It was just uncomplicated. It was pretty much drama free. Okay. Fourth thing that we actively taught our children is don't put your eggs all in one basket. That's what I always used to say to them. In other words, when I used to say that, don't put your eggs all in one basket, they knew that I meant don't just have one or two friends. Um, Be friends with everybody because clickiness can be an issue. And there's nothing wrong with having closer friends, by the way, but that tends to happen more as the children get older. When they are younger in primary school, right up to year six, We used to just encourage them to be friends with everybody because that just helps to avoid a lot of drama. Obviously, there'd be a few friends that they would be a little bit closer to, but we would always say to our kids, don't have an exclusive group. Don't just go off with your little group all the time. Invite other people in. Be the gatherer and the drawer of people. So, you know, make a friend out of everyone. So I think, was that number four? Oops. Oh, sorry, guys. My phone just went off right right next to the microphone. Um, Another thing to be aware of to teach our children, number five, I think I'm up to, not everyone will have the same values as our family. You need to actively say that to your children. Honestly, the stories that my kids used to come home with sometimes, um, you know, about different things that would go on in other people's homes, because you know what kids are like, they all talk to each other Um, and use those stories, use them to your benefit to help teach your children. Well, you know, and, and not in a critical way, by the way, we didn't criticize other people or other families, but we would use those stories to go, well, we don't do that in our family because, and we just used it to reiterate what our family values were. Um, your children will be shocked at some of the things they might see or hear, but don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of, uh, what your kids might, might hear and see, use that, I remember Ashton had this friend all the way through primary school and he absolutely adored him and they were such good friends together. And he would sometimes go to his house after school for a play date. But I remember he would say to me things like, um, you know, mum, mum, he's allowed to like go home and sit on the Xbox all afternoon. And so we'd talk about why we don't do that. Or I remember one day the funniest conversations he would have that kid. He said to me, mum, he just wants to be an anaesthetist so that he can earn lots of money. This is like year four or five, right? <laughs> His friend decided to be an anaesthetist so he could earn lots of money. But mum, he doesn't even try at school, you know, and so we, but we use that to talk about, well, money isn't everything. And isn't it amazing that we love God and God's put us here for a purpose and how exciting to grow up and work out what your God purpose is. So, you know, any, just Anything that they come home with, you can use to reiterate your family values. Okay. um, The last one that I want to talk to you about, I think I'm up to number six. This was one I used a lot when they were a bit in the younger years of primary school. And that was this concept of a sometimes friend. In fact, I think from memory, we even had a um, and all the time friend, a sometimes friend and a not, not, not a friend friend. <laughs> um, so we, I remember both Georgia and Liam, I don't remember this so much with Ashton, but Georgia and Liam had some experiences, probably particularly when we 
oh no, not just when we moved here to Queensland, it actually happened back in Adelaide as well, where some of their friends who they thought were really good friends didn't really treat them very nicely. And it wasn't just a one-off, it was kind of a quite a few times. And that always surprised my kids because my kids had been taught not to be mean to people and not to treat people like that. And so it kind of always surprised them when it happened to them. So I wanted my children to know that when it came to friendships, they were in control. They didn't have to put up with being treated badly as long as they weren't treating people badly either. And, you know, we figured that their self-esteem shouldn't suffer just because another child is mean or manipulative. And so this sometimes friend concept really helped them. So I would say to them, guys, in life, some people that you, uh, there are some people that you will want to hang around with all the time. And they're people who really love you and you really love them and you've got each other's back and you're really special friends. They are your all the time friends. And then I'd give them an example you know, like I'd say like Annie Franca, she's one of my best friends. And they often would use her as an example. They'd be like, like you and Annie Franca. I'm like, that's right. She's my all the time friend. But then there are some people that maybe they're all right on some days, but they're not all right. And they can be mean to you on other days. And so they can be your sometimes friend because you only play with them sometimes. Now I did say to my kids, don't tell them. <laughs> Don't say to that other person, you're just my sometime friend. Like this is just language that we used at home. But it just, again, it empowered them that they don't have to just sit there and take meanness or take manipulation and they don't have to be mean back. It actually helps both ways because then my kids didn't have to react. They didn't have to be mean. They were just, it gave them the confidence on the inside to go, that person doesn't have to be my all the time friend. I'll just make them my sometime friend. And off they'd go and find someone else to play with. So that was really, really powerful. So that's five different things to do. Um, One thing I haven't had time to talk about, and maybe I'll start on this next week, the upper primary school years can be brutal, particularly with the girls around drama. That's when things can really start to heat up. Um, But again, if you've taught your child not to be the drama queen, then, or king, if it's boys, but more it's girls in that year, then you'll find that they'll naturally pull away from those kinds of dramas. So there we go. All of those things that I've talked about today are really all about teaching your children to make good choices around friendships in their younger years, because that's really going to help set them up for their teenage years. Um, You know, and just remember too, my children mostly went to state schools. Um, They went to a Christian school for a couple of years, but mostly they've been in um, public or state and the high school is private, but state. Sorry, it's private, but not Christian. Um, And all three of them did have really close friends from school, but only just one or two each. What we mostly encourage was friends either from church or family friends. So we've actually got, Cameron and I have actually got the best family friends ever. One lot of them live here in Queensland. The others are kind of spread around Australia, but we're all from Adelaide and we've got this incredible friendship with a whole group of us. And we all did ministry together years ago. So we all had kids at the same time and our kids grew up together. 
and they were the friendships that they spent more time with. So we invested not only our friendships, but we invested our children into their friendships, um, mostly amongst people that had the same values as us. And we, we did that on purpose. And I still wanted them to have other friends as well from school, but the, the majority of their friends and their time happened amongst our family friendship groups where we knew what the values of those families were. And we knew who they were hanging around. And to this day, and this is such a beautiful thing, and I'll finish here, 20 years later, to this day, not only are all of us adults still friends, but all of the kids who are now in their late teens and kind of early 20s, they are all still really close. They, you know, whenever we all go to a conference in another state, they all hang out together and we love it. We holiday together. Um, and so it's just a beautiful thing to watch our kids have, you know, all be friends with the same kids 20 years on as well. That's a beautiful thing. And, um, it's something that I don't take for granted. So hit me up in my DMS. If you have any issues around friends, uh, or you want to ask me anything, um, you know, I mean, obviously we, we didn't get it right and perfect all the time. I've got stories of different things that happened, which I think maybe I'll share with you next week. Cause that, I'm sure that'll help you as well. Uh, but yeah, come and hit me up in my DMs because I know that a lot of you did around the sleep stuff as well, which was great. I had so many people that were like, oh my gosh, yes. I loved, you know, loved that, learned so much from that. Um, a lot of people that have used that sleep training also were like, oh my gosh, a hundred percent. It works. It's, it's awesome. So I'd encourage you to continue to go back maybe and listen to that. And by the way, can I just say this sleep training does not mean leaving your babies to cry all night. So for the, you know, anyone that was like, Ooh, mm, that's so mean you, you, you know, you're not helping the mental health of your children. Cause they're crying. No sleep training means that you train them with their patterns in the day and they naturally fall into it. There's actually minimal crying involved where the crying comes into it is if you haven't sleep trained and then you, you have, you try and sleep train. That's when the controlled crying comes into it. But if you, um, if you put them in a routine from the beginning, that actually happens other than, other than, like I said before, if there's colic or something like that, if you put them in a routine, they naturally, it stabilizes their hunger patterns and their sleep patterns. And there's minimal crying like involved in that. So, um, just, just for those that misunderstood that you might want to ask questions before you judge. Hey, (laughs) but, um, anyway, so guys, thank you for listening. You are amazing. You're doing a great job with your kids. The fact that you're trying to listen and learn honestly, hats off to you. That's what I did. That's what I still do. I'm in a new phase right now where my kids are hitting 18, 19, 20, and I'm trying to navigate that phase of trying to get them to still be, you know, doing jobs at home while they're wanting to go out all the time and all, you know, it's a whole other thing. So I'm constantly at the moment ringing my friends who are a bit ahead going help. How do I parent them into, into adulthood? (laughs) So, um, so I get it and I love you guys and you're doing amazing. So have a wonderful week and I will see you or we will be together again next Wednesday on the leadership podcast for my behind the mic collection. I'll see you then guys. Bye.